Great teachers don't just come from the classroom. They can be found almost anywhere in your life. That's why we, Wade and Hope King, created this podcast to connect you with the stories, the tools, and the joy you need to take education to the next level. Nowadays, everyone's an educator. Whether you chose that career or not. And we're all in this together. So come on, let's do this. Welcome Welcome to to the the new EDU. Another episode of the new EDU. Happy Monday, if you're tuning in on the right day of the week. If you're not, happy whatever day (laughs) of the week it is for you. Happy whatever day (laughs) of the week it is for you. We are so excited because we are gearing up for our Get Your Teach On's Next Level Conference coming up on March 13th. And so today we wanted to talk about ways to level up your instruction, focusing on Yes, we always talk about engagement and relationships and all of the important Mm -hmm. things and best practices, but today we want to focus on the academic rigor because we do a lot of of outside-of-the-box teaching, a lot of of outside-of-the-box lessons, and, you know, a lot of times that can be labeled as fluff. Yeah, and a lot of people on the outside think that it's just fluff, but if you have followed us for a while or you're part of the Get Your Teach On family, you know that our foundation is that rigorous content and what that actually looks like. And hope you say it often that rigor is often confused with teaching really fast or the content go and you're just plowing through it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not actually the case. That's that, that, well, at least with our definition, our definition is, and you say it perfectly, we want to dive deeper into that content to really pull out everything that a standard has inside of it. So the students can apply what they've learned in any scenario, in any content area, in any life skill. So it's one of those things that is super important to us. We're super focused on it. And if I say super one more time, wow, I would just turn into Superman. It's fine. Yes, there it is. Yes, <laughs> I do agree with all that. Yeah, rigor truly is about the depth in which you take the content. And, you know, I mean, here's the deal. I'm just going to be honest with everybody. That's what we are on this podcast. But I wanted to see my students grow in so many different areas, not just academically, right? Like, of course, I wanted them to grow, you know, emotionally and physically and relationships, Mm -hmm. building relationships. And um, I wanted them to grow their passions. Yes. But I, being an educator, like I was working really, really hard. I mean, to teach them the content. So of course I wanted them to grow academically. And I think that any educator that says that, well, I don't care about them growing academically. We might have an issue there because that is kind of our job. Yeah, it is our um, job. <laughs> and while every single child's growth looks completely different, yes. I wanted to see my kids grow because growth to me meant that my strategies, the things that I was using within my classroom, they were successful. And you know, the funny thing is that we talked about standardized testing a couple weeks ago here. Yeah, sure did. But then we actually did a live with our audience because we go live every night on Get Your Teach On. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting to see the perspectives around just just testing in general, not just standardized testing, but just testing in general. And um, we were having a conversation about, you know, how, how do you handle it? And does it stress you out and all different types of things. And somebody in the comments actually said something so powerful that I was like, like, I've thought of it that way. I've just never communicated it this way. But looking at you know, a test of any kind is a way to see your students' strengths 
and their weaknesses, mm-hmm. as well as our t- as a teacher, You're our right. strengths and our weaknesses. And I think that if we go into, you know, just looking at our stu- students' academic progress and not attaching it to our personal emotions, because it really has nothing to do with right. us personally whatsoever, or even the students personally whatsoever, it's about looking at our, our strengths and our weaknesses. And that is something that we should always be looking at in every facet of our life, just to make sure that what we're doing is effective. And so I think yeah. that there is nothing wrong with saying that, yeah, I want my students to excel academically. And yes, I want to, I want to prepare them the best that I can. And I want them to achieve and find their success. Yeah. I mean, we, I think like one of the buzz phrases right now is uh, students are more than a test score. Teachers are more than a test score. And that is true. However, we still want students to learn. And if you don't have a game plan uh, when you go into teaching, when you go into teaching a standard or a content or a unit on where your students are currently and where you want to get them to to grow or or the areas that you want to see growth in academically, if you don't have a game plan for that, then what are we actually doing here? Like we, we do have a responsibility. And as hard as it may be sometimes, I mean, sometimes we just don't teach things well, but that's why our Get Your Teach On community is so, so powerful because we connect, we talk with each other, we get ideas from each other. I mean, you say it best all the time. Uh, social media is one of the best things that's happened to us, but it's also one of the worst things that's happened to us. And going back to the, what, what that teacher said in that comment of, hey, we, we, we can look at test scores not only for our students, but also for ourselves. What are we teaching well? And what do we need a little bit of work on? That's when we can go search and we can look at other strategies and other teachers and other instructors, maybe on social media, maybe maybe on Pinterest, maybe with a course or, what, or some type of training or whatever it is to get ideas to help our students. I mean, it's, it's hard pill to swallow. It definitely well, is. And but. I want, you know, when you said that, you know, a lot of people are posting and they put up different things and graphics about you are more than a test score and your students are more than a test score. 100% facts, right? Right. But the fact that we're having to post that so much tells me that we have tied our personal identity mm-hmm. That's way it. too heavily to a test That's, score. That And because no one the would be- The fact that that right. even has to be pointed out. No one out. would be saying that if, if you didn't feel that that was your identity. And I know people put that on us sometimes. Administration may put that on you, but you've got to realize that, yo, if, if you're if that's nobody tells coming, you your identity except for yourself. Yeah, no, who, nobody can right. push an identity on you. Mm. And you know, I mean, I'm like the fact that that just shows that there is either some miscommunication or some misplacement of identity. I don't know, but you know, the fact that we see that so much around testing time, I feel like that does tell me that people's identities tied up in to it way too much. Then on the flip side of that, when people are posting that, like, yes, the the teachers who, you know, want to push their kids academically and are really mm, working hard know, yep. are the teachers who take it so personally. And the teachers who are just sitting back and not challenging themselves, they're like, that's right. And that's why, you know, it gives them an excuse. I was going to say it gives them an out. It gives them an out to not, you know, to say, well, you know, I'm just going to teach and and what my kids get, they get and what they don't, you know, they're more than a test score. And it kind of gives them an excuse. And so I see both sides of it. And while I 100% feel like none of those people are listening to this podcast because those kind of educators <laughs> don't try to better themselves. So I know we're on the other end with the audience that we yeah. have is that it is people who are generally exceptional educators who care so much about their kids progress. But guys, 
we've got to know where to cut off our personal identity and where that ends yeah. and where our teaching identity begins. And there is nothing wrong with saying, man, my kids knocked it out of the park on long division. Like I killed that. Uh-oh. But punctuation and commas and uh, ugh, yikes. Like I can look back and I really didn't do a good job of that. Who freaking cares? Right. Like, what what does that say about you as a human, as a person, other than, okay, there's some areas for improvement? I mean, it, it just had me reflecting because I was listening, and let's just pretend I'm another teacher, and I see Hope and Way King, and I see all these incredible presenters that get your teach on. One thing you know on the outside looking in, it looks like we're having a blast. We are having fun. Well, we are. We are creative. We're doing all of these out-of-the-box ideas and lessons. But very rarely do you get those people on the outside that will say, oh, the, the way they get your teach on is focused. Their, their academics are top notch because that's not our identity. We don't go around talking about our okay, test scores 24 7. Well, we, if we, we, we talk, to, we, if we wanted to. Oh, I could. And, and Hope King knows it. Oh, as could I. Yes. I, but that is not the point because. That is not, we don't, and, and you're so right. We don't hop up into sessions like, hey guys, so I want you to know that first of all, uh, this is my re this is my research background. And second of all, these are my test scores out of the state of South Carolina. And here's my percentage of, because- I mean, I would, love, I would love to do that. No, he's not allowed. <laughs> I'm not he's allowed not to. allowed. Guys, they're really good. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> but they're very, very good. You, you should be proud that you're an effective teacher. Well, There's nothing uh, again, wrong with but that. Th but again, that's not my identity. My identity right. is not like- I the, the reason why test scores and academics and and growth I think is so important is because it it adds validation to what your engagement strategies are are doing for your students. If it's not working, you push it to the side. There's been many of things that I've had to throw away because I saw it wasn't effective academically. 100%, 100%. Like it just didn't work. And that's okay. I talk about the first time that I did a book tasting because I saw it on Pinterest or Instagram or somewhere. Oh, yeah, you did. I don't yeah, know. I forgot about that. Um, yes. But yeah. I was so excited because naturally, myself, you give me a good theme and I can take over the world. Like that's all I need. Like mm -hmm. I, I'm surprised that I've never taught kindergarten. Not going to do that, by the way. Kindergarten teachers, y'all are my heroes. But I love a good theme. And so I was like, this is this is amazing. Like, I can set my room up like a restaurant and I get to play the part. And like, this is going to be great. And I set the books out for the kids mm -hmm. and I had them go around. And my basic initiative was expose them to different types of text and hopefully get them interested in something they wanted to read. And let me tell you, it was an epic fail. Like that was a waste of two yeah. hours that I'm never getting back. And those kids are never getting back because they, didn't... they literally walked around and all they did was just mm -hmm. look at the text and judge a book by its cover. And I didn't really give them any good foundation for what this lesson was specifically supposed to look like. And so I had gotten so tied up in the theme that the academic rigor was not there. So absolutely. When, you know, people say, where's the academics? Where's the academic focus? And where, it just looks like a big party. Well, first of all, I think that education should be a party. And I'm not saying sorry for that because mm, I want for no. kids to enjoy learning. It should be exciting. They, they should want to learn and, and, feel, and, goodness. and feel like it, it applies to them. And it's it's not something that's that you have to do. And it's just, oh, man. I, it, yeah, it's forced. Upon. And so anyways, back to that story, though, I recognized during that time that, yeah, my classroom at that point was just a party. It was just something fun. Mm -hmm. The kids were having a great time, but they were getting nothing out of it. There are lots of times that that happens. And, and 
all types of different lessons, regardless of what it may be. And, you know, that's the moments that we have to reflect and say, okay, well, you know, that was a waste of two hours or hour and a half or however long it is. But now what do I learn from that? Mm -hmm. And I've done book tasting since. And because of what I learned during that time, they have become to be some of my most effective instruction as far as setting a purpose and a foundation for reading a text. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, yes, engagement is such a piece. And I want for... (laughs) why wouldn't we be searching for ways to make education one of the most exciting things out there for kids? Like, no, it does not have to be mundane. No, we don't, we're not just going Mm -hmm. through the process. Mm -hmm. No, we don't just have Mm -hmm. to do things as we've always done. No better, do better. And so for us, that's what we're constantly striving to do. However, it is so important that as we are preparing our students that we, yes, have a healthy marriage. It's kind of like a feelings thing. Like I can be depressed and happy at the same time, right? We talk about that. I can have an environment that is joyful, that is exciting, that is fun, and that is extremely academically rigorous at the same time. Yeah. Don't believe me? Let me come to your classroom. I I will set it up for you because that... That has been a healthy marriage. A co those two things can coexist in a classroom environment. And so, yes, while we have looked back and seen times that where lessons fall short and where we could do better, that's where we're constantly learning to grow. And so through these years mm-hmm. where we have spent time that we're like, oh, that, that was fun, but it wasn't quite there academically, mm-hmm. we have kind of developed three, what we call, we've now dubbed them as the rules of rigor. Oh, these are a game changer, I'm telling you. Well, they have been for us. And yeah. so we wanted to share them with you guys because it's really kind of become a habit of thought for us. And it's something that we had to be extremely intentional about yes. throughout our years in education because you Yes, we put a heavy emphasis on student engagement, absolutely, for the many reasons that we have shared so far. At the same time, we wanted to intentionally make sure, because academics has always been important and we have always produced results, and that has always been an important part of our Mm -hmm. classroom, but how did we get there? How did we have that healthy marriage? How do we make sure that both were coexisting and happening simultaneously? And so really, we just kind of sat down and talked about Mm -hmm what was important in our lessons and plans and things that we were intentionally it's, doing. And it's one of those things it revolved that, around three things. Yeah. And it just keeps us accountable and it's only three things and it is very applicable to anything you do in the classroom. And it just makes it doable. It makes having fun and engagement. And then like Hope said, marrying or having a marriage It's y'all, I, I struggle with saying my R's. I say my R's like W's. So yeah, this is a pod, this is a podcast. So you'll probably notice it, but marry, combining, combining, <laughs> combining rigor and engagement. And it's just something that's really, really doable and really easy if you make it a habit. And so we wanted to share these rules with you. And if you've heard them before, we wanted to give you, you know, a friendly reminder because these truly apply to everything in the classroom. Like even when we're talking about how we're, how we are instructing and what the students are doing during that whole group instructional Mm -hmm, time. mm -hmm. What, what does our conversations in our classroom look like? What do games look like? What do room transformations look like? What do projects, projects, group projects, collaboration, STEM and engineering and design projects, science, hands-on learning, literally whatever you're doing. We, are intentional about thinking through the steps to implement that and to model that and to build our expectations academically around these things. You're just checking them off. Like if you've developed a lesson or you've developed some type of activity, 
if you can check these three boxes, more than likely it's going to be rigorous and it's going to be engaging. So yeah. So let's talk about those three rules yep. of rigor. Again, as a friendly reminder to those of you who have heard us talk about these before or as something new that you can think about to really level up your instruction during this time. And so the first rule of rigor is this. We talk about no student being invisible in our classrooms. And right. I don't just mean, well, I mean this from a lot of different angles, but we're talking academically here that no student can be invisible during this time. And so kind of what I break that down to be what Whatever lesson I'm planning, whether I'm planning a room transformation or we're doing a song or I'm doing hand motions and gestures or it's a conversational piece or a collaborative project or whatever it may be, I am making sure that during that time, every single student is responsible for every single piece of academic correlation, response, construction, whatever it may be, independently on their own first. And so mm. I kind of break this down, mm-hmm. what it looks like, you know, in a simple game of Jeopardy. Because a game, you know, we all use games. It's and, a great example. But this, I want you to think about how this can be integrated or thought about in anything that you, you know, right. use in your classroom. Back in my early days of teaching, when I taught Jeopardy, I would put I mean, the kids into even, groups. Even when I played, like, yeah. even when you were a student and you played Jeopardy. Well, where or do you some think I learned of, about Jeopardy? Right. <laughs> teachers. I mean, hello. Or trash get ball. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, I'd put the kids into a group of five or six or four even. It doesn't, three even, it doesn't matter. But you would put a question on the board and you would say, okay, here's a whiteboard for your team. I want you to all sit and collaborate and, you know, think about what the answer would be, have your good conversations and then um, together decide (laughs) an answer. And so, man, that is is like a world of rainbows, butterflies, and unicorns. And I don't know where you live and what state you live in, but that does not exist wherever I've ever lived in any classroom. If Way King was a student, he would be drawing something. Thing wow. while everyone else did the work. But Wade talks about his journey as a student often. But, you know, and so we think that kids are collaborating, but we all know, we all know the truth is that, you know, the one, the smartest student in the group is doing all of the work and somebody's mm-hmm. sitting there and they're looking at their fingernails or picking something. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know what kids are doing, but we're like, but I want to have <laughs> fun. I want them to enjoy learning. It's a simple switch. It is a, literally the most simple switch. And it is simply that Okay, well, I'm going to give every single child in that team a whiteboard. You have to answer on your own first with no help from anyone. And then together you talk about your answers and you have those conversations. I agree with you. I disagree with you. Here's why. Let's talk about it and get everybody on the same page. And then that's when you write an answer on your team whiteboard and show it. So that instead of one person doing the work, first of all, it puts that accountability piece on students who, like Wade, are going to sit there and not do anything. And he's honest about that. I mean, I would do it sometimes. When you knew the answer, I'm sure you probably yelled it out for everybody. But again, it's just a simple flip of a switch. Or when I play Twister, right? And I know there's lots of people, well, that was pre-COVID, but one day we'll be able to play Twister again. It's going to be fun. But when I play Twister, when kids were out of the game, right? And they fall and they're out. Well, that's fine. They're out of the game, but they're not out of learning. So I would have whiteboards or Frisbees or something dry erase where they would have to pick it up. They would sit around the outside of the twister board and they would write whatever the answer was to the question that I called out. And so again, Mm -hmm. you know, when you think about administration walking in, because a lot of people ask us, how do you get administration on board for you to teach outside the box? You show them. Well, you show them and you prove results. And I was happy to do both of those things because if I'm not proving results, I shouldn't be using these methods. Yeah, you probably shouldn't be and doing so, that. And <laughs> so, you know, if administration walks in and they see a bunch of kids sitting around a twister board, cutting up, goofing off, waiting their turn, which might not happen yeah. for another 
who knows how long. Of course, I can totally see them questioning my intent here for this lesson, my what I'm, what I'm focusing on. Mm-hmm. But if they walk in and the kids are having fun, who's playing the game of Twister and they're learning, and the kids who are around the Twister board with their Frisbees or dry erase markers right. are accountable, and everybody is learning and moving forward academically while having fun, that is engaging. Yeah, and it's, I mean, you can even take it a step further to where Hope was talking about every child in that group has to respond on that whiteboard. Well, make every student in the classroom, it's not just that group's question, it's everybody's question. And maybe they don't have whiteboards. Maybe instead they have a an, an answer document or an answer sheet that they have to and they have to turn that in. Meanwhile, you can walk around the classroom and make sure everyone's writing an answer down. So uh, yeah, it won't be perfect because there's only one of you and maybe 20, 30 kids in there. But you're but those kids still know Mr. King's coming around. He's going to make sure that everyone's right. Okay, all right, time's up. Now let's get after it. So I mean, it's as simple as, you know, when we would be doing multiple choice questions for different things and we were going over, you know, there's just times that you have to do you these things, do right? Yeah. I mean, nobody wants to talk about multiple choice questions, but there are times when we just, they need to be in trained our curriculum, on it. They need we to know have how to, to teach it. them how mm-hmm. to do test prep skills. I mean, sorry, right. but that's the world right now. And until that changes, I'm going to prepare them for the world that they're currently living in, right. right? When we would do that, I would just have like a square box that had four different colors or that had A, B, C, D, and they would have a clothespin and they would hold it in their lap when I would call out the questions and they would pin their clip on the answer and then they would hold it up, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. so it's accountability. How am I making sure that every single student is held accountable because they are kids? And if they're not held accountable, they're going to be thinking of everything else that they could be doing throughout the day or what they want to be doing versus staying focused. So it's just simply Mm -hmm. thinking intentionally about, okay, this is a really great lesson, but how do I ensure that every single student is accountable? We talk about an element of our conversational piece where the students have to use eye contact or give respect to a speaker. But I recognize that kids were looking, they weren't listening. And so I implemented a simple hand gesture to show whether you agree or you disagree. Why? So every single student is accountable at all time during my instruction. And and any child can be called upon because I, you're either agreeing or you're disagreeing. Yeah. And, and I mean, it, it Sammy, why do you account. agree? Right. I mean, Taylor, it's, why do you I mean, if you think about it, you, you have six to seven hours a day with students, maybe a little longer, maybe a little less. And that is for every individual student, mm-hmm. not just the class. And so how much time are, are we wasting by that, those wait times when students aren't being held accountable for that's their right. learning. And that's our responsibility to figure out, but it's not that difficult. So just remember that. Real, people, real, yeah, I yeah. Mean, it's, people would ask me, how do you get your kids so far along? <laughs> it's because I literally used every second. If I was there, I was there. Right. I was there, I was teaching my butt off, and I was holding every single student accountable. And we were also having fun. And so when you see all of those things happening simultaneously, that's a healthy learning environment, yeah. a positive and learning and, environment. And, and, and it's not go, 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 go 24-7. Like right. if it's if it's break time, if it's let's get our mind right time, that's fine because yeah. that's planned out. 100%. But but if you are academically involved in something or you have something planned, we've got to make sure that these Brain kids breaks. are held all accountable. Those things are important. That's right, that's right. So rule number one is no child is invisible. That's right. So you make sure that every single child is held accountable during our instructional time in some way, shape, or form um, without just telling them to think in their mind. That's right. That ain't happening. It's <laughs> not happening, I guys. would be thinking about building Y'all a fort in the woods. Too. That's what I'd be thinking about. <laughs> or right. go-karting. So that's rule number one. Rule number two, less memorization, more application. So how do we take the content that we've learned and not just 
consume it and then regurgitate it, but how do we consume it to apply it? Not only apply it in the content area that we learn it in, but then also in other content areas and life in general. Yeah, I would call this word vomit. Yeah. is when my kids just had so many, like it was when I taught them so many different, let's just use ELA as an example or whatever it may be, but I had taught them so many different concepts. And so I would say, and that is an example of, and the kids would literally shout every ELA word that I ever taught them. It didn't even make any sense Mm -hmm. within the context of what we were discussing, but they were like, well, I'm going to shout out every word that I know. It shows they don't actually know the words. You know, I I think about this, you know, when I think back and reflect on my educational career Mm -hmm. and my different classes and the way in which I was taught. And so many times I'm like the skills that I still lack today that I'm still like, man, I'm just not very good at this or I'm weak. It wasn't because I wasn't, it's just, I'm not meant to be good at it. It's because I wasn't taught effectively. And so, you know, I think about those times and I'm like, I was, first of all, very different than you. And I wanted, I I put so much pressure on myself to make certain grades. Right. And I wanted to make A's and I wanted to have the top grades in the class. And I I was that student. Okay. So for me, of course, I would learn everything for the test. And I specifically remember this in college, social studies, man, I just, which is so crazy because that's your now I ace social studies. I made loved, I made a one hundred on a blue book essay in college in social studies. I struggled. I, I hated learning about, and it wasn't because I hated learning about the content. It was the way in which I was taught. I knew I had to pass these classes. I knew I had to keep scholarships, and so of course I would do what a lot of students end up doing. Cram. We cram, mm-hmm. and we cram all the information in our brains, mm-hmm. and we I, like I wouldn't even write my name on the test because I would get to question one because I was afraid if I wrote my name it would take away. Some something in my, it would like hold space for I something else. I never do that. Um, That's so amazing. I would literally not even write my name and I would answer all the questions as fast as I could. Like I would answer all the ones that I know as fast as I could. So I didn't lose that information. And then I would go back to the ones and, you know, mostly answer C on those. It turned out really well for me, guys. I would make my A, but then I would walk away from that class or that course or whatever that semester. And honest to God, I did not learn. A th- I sat there all semester and didn't learn a dang That must thing. be why I learn. Lots of things because I don't memorize. Like oh, you. it's true. I mean, but you know, there's a lot of kids though, and we talk about this with standardized testing. How you know we cram, 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 cram. Yeah, the kids might make a little bit better score than they would have, but then that's skewing the yeah. information for the teacher next year because guess what? This is why it. kids go home over the over summer, the summer yep. and they don't regress one yep. grade level; mm-hmm. they regress two because they're never actually yep. developing skills and habits. They're developing terms and memorization, which is fleeting. It's and completely fleeting. To, yeah, I mean, and so it's it's one of those things that we really, really, really need to focus on. And we're not here saying that. All memorization is bad no. because me- memorization can be helpful and it can yeah. be beneficial. You have to memorize certain things. Yeah, like multiplication facts. Oh my gosh, get your kids to mem- memorize those multiplication facts. Going back to what Hope was talking about with vocabulary uh, vocabulary definitions. I mean, if you think about it, a lot of times when you give a vocabulary quiz, students are just matching, right? They're matching the vocabulary term with the definition. What do they do with that skill? So that's fine at the beginning, I guess. I, I guess. I mean, it is. But then you have to take it and you have to think about, okay, how can I amp this up just a little bit more? So my example, Hope gave you an example for rule number one. My example for rule number two is the game headbands. If you've ever played heads up. It's actually up, my example that you took. But it's fine because we were, we're partners in yeah. this and we give and take and we steal and borrow. And that's just how but I just wanted to point out that this is actually mine and you borrowed it. But it's well, fine. I support it. Well, head, she did come up with headbands. I did not come up with the game. Don't. Oh, I will get DMs about that. I thought you did. That is a 
what's the my, what's the toy I company? I learned it from you, Mattel. Mattel, thank you. Oh. I'm sure they came up with that. So please, nobody go and tell them that I'm claiming this because well, I do not want to get any kind of well, legal letter. Let's do this real quick. Though. Comma, but yes, I did come up with what you're about to talk about, which is the concept of how do we make headbands application driven. Yeah. I would like for you to share Thank that you. because mine's a little bit different, I think, than yours. So you, you go ahead and share how you you did it, and then I'll share how I did it. Gladly. Because right. word sneak is mine, <laughs> and that's how I do it. And <laughs> yeah, you don't do you that. You to... do something totally different. But anyways, y'all know it's the game, again, where the kids put the headband on, and they have words that they can't see. Mm-hmm. Their partner you know, or their group of people try to describe the words. First of all, let me point out, as we go back to rule number one, I don't allow the kids to play this in a group setting. Why? Because again, we don't have every single student accountable. So say I am playing, I would have a partner across from me. So we each have a job to do. Say I have the word simile in my my headband. My partner across from me might say, well, what you have is a comparison of two unlike things using like or as. And I would say, oh, that's a simile, right? right? That's a definition. So I allow my kids to play a few rounds like Mm -hmm. that because these are just one minute rounds Mm -hmm. before they're switching roles. And then I say, okay, now on this round, you can no longer give a definition. You must create an example. That changes the whole game because now they have to first of all know what a simile is how to create one mm-hmm. give it to their partner but then their partner has to analyze what they just said to find ev- evidence of a figurative language being right. used and then they're applying that critical thinking skill for example if you're teaching math right and I'm wearing the headband I might have the number 10 in my headband have the student across from them have a whiteboard and they have to write multiple ways to create 10 right. until that student guesses oh I have the number 10 on my head so again Again, instead of thinking of just definition, definition, state the definition, state the definition, how can I have my students create? How can I have them apply? How can I have them design something here, even yes. in that short time frame? Yeah. And I mean, it's not that difficult to think about. Again, the, these rules, they sound overwhelming, but they're really not. So rule number one, you're just making sure everyone's accountable. And rule number two, you're thinking about ways to make it a little bit higher level and to take it one step further. So hopes is great, but what I used to do, I used to take those words. Mine's great, but yours is better. Go ahead. No, it's just, it takes it one more step further. You have you have <laughs> step one where they're playing the game, right? They're getting introduced to the vocabulary and the definition. Then you have step two where they're still kind of playing that game with examples and creating equations or doing that component, but they're still in that headband mentality. Step three, maybe the next week, you get those cards that that have the terms on them. You take them and you, you give each child three on each desk and you challenge them throughout the week to use those words in any type of conversation, any type of question, or any content area that you're that, that, that's going on inside of the classroom. It doesn't have to. So if they are science terms, so science vocabulary, they're able to use those science terms all throughout the day. They can use it at recess. They can use it at lunch. They can use it in math. They can use it in social, whatever you're teaching. And that shows the kids that those terms aren't just isolated in that specific content area, but they can be used through life. And so we're trying to develop those students into conversationalists. With the Level Up Conference, we just, yes. With the Level Up Conference, we- I just I, have to give them snaps, guys. Way to take it. Way to level up. I did. Way to I level. Le- way to take what I did and level it up. But I'm, I'm telling you, it, it works <laughs> because I used to play this game called Word Sneak, and it applied really well with that. And it's one of those things. Even with the Level Up Conference, I, I did a, uh, a session on speaking and listening. And speaking and listening standards, I think we kind of push to the wayside, but we don't realize how important those are and how 
prevalent they are in all different types of content areas, no matter what it is. And this just kind of reinforces that. No, I really, all jokes aside, that is true. I mean, it's it's really important, again, that they're seeing that this content is not just isolated to subject mm -hmm. area, but these are truly things that we can incorporate right. into conversations, especially when you're talking about growing and expanding a vocabulary. So again, rule number one, there, you know, no student is invisible. Right. We're making sure that every single student is held accountable. Rule number two, how are we leveling up our academic rigor as far as focusing less on that memorization component. And I didn't say not focusing on it, but focusing right. less mm -hmm. and focusing more on the application, making sure that we're giving kids more than terms. We're actually giving them skills. Then they practice those skills repetitively and that's how they become learning habits, right? right? Mm -hmm. And then finally, the third rule, and this one's very simple. We don't really have to dive into it. This is what you see us do a lot. Yeah, is we, we're not wasting instructional time. Bottom line is, yes, I have fun in my classroom. Yes, I set up room transformations. Mm -hmm. Yes, I do fun games. Yes, I use music. Yes, we, yes, we have conversations. Yes, mm -hmm. we laugh and giggle. Yes, we do all of those things. But at the end of the day, when it is time to learn or it is time to receive instruction, it is time. Right. And that is where these expectations come into play. And yes, there has to be expectations in your classroom to be able to have the fun mm -hmm. so that students can recognize that, yes, we're going to have fun, but there is a huge component where we're going to work hard and both of those things coexist. And so, you know, a lot of people are like, well, my kids just don't respond to this or they get out of control. Give them time. It's about your expectations. Yep. It is truly about your expectations, but we know that the key mm -hmm. to it is consistency. Mm -hmm. We can't go into our classrooms when we're feeling good and feeling like being a teacher and having right. one set of expectations and then have a different set when we're struggling or we're tired, that's where the job is hard. And that's where we have to really dig deep and say, no, even on my hardest days, I'm going to maintain consistency because that's when my students recognize there are no gray areas. Right. This is my teacher's expectation. This is what she expects every single time, not just sometimes. Yeah. And, and to make it even easier for people to digest, because it's sometimes hard even for us to di digest and to be consistent with, you, you you don't need to have 5 million expectations for your students. Mm -hmm. Less is more with Truly. expectations, but then also creating expectations that you can be consistent with that will allow for sustainability. Yes, they can be very high goals and you can have high expectations, but can you uphold those mm -hmm. every single day? The more that you have, the harder it is. Yeah, the harder the it's going to be. The less sustainable it's probably going exactly, to be. Exactly, 100%. Yep. So you need to think about that, but the core of it, just like Hope said, is, hey, when it's time to get to work, we're getting to work. It's time to, to respect each other. It's time to respect the teacher. I'm going to respect you. And this is what this looks like. Yeah. So, guys, those are our three rules of rigor. And truly, it's things that we have found incredible success with yes. academically in the classroom, we get to have the fun. We get to have the engagement. We get to mm -hmm. do all of those things because we intentionally make sure that we are planning in such a way that there is that healthy marriage between yep. the academics and the fun. So just as a reminder, rule one, hold your students accountable academically. Rule number two, making sure that we're amping up our instruction and focusing on ways to create skills for our students that turn into habits. And then finally, not wasting instructional minutes. Yes, right. we're going to have fun, but you're going to respect the learning environment and recognize that that is our goal here, yes. is to continue to grow and learning together. So those are just three things that we focus on that have really become habits of thought in every lesson that we plan to ensure that, yes, our kids are going to love school. They're going to love what they're doing. Maybe not every second of every day, but that is our goal. The majority yeah 
yeah. of the time. And but also they're going to be they're going to be moving academically. They're going to be growing. They're going to be working hard. They're going to be challenged. They're going to there's going to be moments of frustration because all of those things are critical to really developing the whole child. Exactly. So we just wanted to share those with you guys today because again we are leveling up on March 13th with the March entire 13th. Get Your Teach On team. It is going to be an wow. incredible conference. And Holy moly. what we just talked about is what this conference is really built upon are those academic standards, those tricky areas where we're all struggling where we're like, oh gosh, this standard, oh my word, I'm gonna teach as fast as I can and get it over with or my kids never master that or we never get to move past or whatever it may be. And let me tell you something, we have found the most like, intelligent, educated, they're just geniuses. I mean, like, it, they're true. They they're, really it's are. Good. It's and good they have found ways to teach these standards effectively, and they are sharing all of that with you. And then they're not only sharing it through a, a workshop, they're also sharing it in a lesson, lesson plan, plan and resources, resources and assessments. assessments. They're yep. setting you, you up. Named it. Yep. Every single grade level, depending on whether you're ELA or a math focus, has about Kindergarten and first grade have like five ish sessions. Yeah, they look different. Right. But then everybody else has between like six, six to, to ten. ten. Six to ten. So we would love for you to be there. We would love for you to level up with us. You have access to this content for two years. So if you're like two years, no, y'all. I just don't cannot put another thing on my plate. You get every single thing that you get on the day of the conference, you have access to Forever. that for two years. Seems like so you can watch world. and rewatch <laughs> and look at again. So, anyways, make sure yeah. you visit getyourteachon.com, register for that conference. It is gonna be incredible. You do not want to miss it. Hopefully we'll see you guys at Level Up. If not, we will see you right back here next week for another brand new episode of the new New EDU. Keep leveling up your classrooms. Have a great week, everybody. The new EDU is hosted by me, Wade King. And me, Hope King. The show is produced by Chelsea Harfush. And edited by Andrew Weller. With production support from Sterling Coates and Chase Mayo. Cameron Berkman is our executive producer. The new EDU podcast is a 3% chance production.